0: Well, good morning and welcome to the last Worship Sunday service of 2019. Can't believe it. In a few days, it'll be 2020. We'll be singing and saying Happy New Year to everyone. And this year, for me at least, flew by very, very fast. This morning what I like to do is uh, take you through a little exercise that I like to do myself personally that I hope that you will also adopt and take some time for yourself as well to do personally and individually. This morning, what I'd like to do is to journey together as a church, as the bridge, to take some time to reflect back on 2019. I think it's been a great year for our church, and there's so much to thank the Lord for together. So we're going to be looking at a passage that kind of exhorts us to look back, to remember, to reflect, and respond, and then we'll take that and personalize it for our church Would you bow together with me as we pray and ask the Lord to guide our time? Lord, we uh, thank you that you brought us to this place and to this time for each person here and the opportunity we have to reflect back and to ready ourselves for the future. Lord, it's been an interesting year for some hardship and heartache for others' breakthroughs and new things and challenges. And Lord, wherever we're at, we thank you more than anything that you are with us. So we take comfort in that, and we thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for the favor that you have shown to NLVC and the bridge especially over the last year. We have great gratitude in our hearts And I pray that we would express that in our lives. Guide me now as we take some time that I teach that i be careful and clear. And we want to commit our time to you now and thank you in advance. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our passage this morning comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. Let me read it for us and then we'll unpack it and then we'll look at our time together. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This morning our outline is threefold. Number one, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 9 to remember Then number two, we're going to take some time to reflect, verses 10 to 13. And then finally, on our own, we will take some time to respond both individually and corporately as a church. Let's look at our first point, remember, starting in 2 Timothy 2.8. 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul would ever pen. He is awaiting persecution and actually termination in a Roman prison. So 2 Timothy is the last book that he would ever write out of the 13 letters in the New Testament. In so doing, Paul is now handling and giving the mantle of leadership to a young Timothy who's going to take over the network of churches within the region known as Ephesus. In so doing, Paul is wanting to remind Timothy about a number of important things that he will need in order to move forward. And as I was reflecting this week and thinking about this passage, I thought these are timely reminders that are timeless. that could also be used for us as reminders as we move forward into 2020. So let's look at the first point to remember. He is very clear in verse eight. Here's what he says. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. As you may know, the central theme, the message, the life mission of Paul was to preach the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of the person of Jesus Christ. In so doing, as he is exhorting young Timothy to move forward, he says right at the beginning, make sure that you remember Jesus Christ. And who is he? He's the son of God, because the passage goes on to say, risen from the dead, a distinct marker that distinguishes him from every other world leader. But he also has a rich heritage. He says he's of the offspring of David. David, if you remember, was the king in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel chapter 6-7, and 7, it talks about a promise that God made called the Davidic Covenant, That in this promise, through the lineage and line and genealogy of David, would come a king who would rule and reign forever. That king is Jesus. So not only are we to remember who Jesus was, distinct because he's risen from the dead, has a rich history because of the offspring of David, but here he says at the end of verse 8, as preached in my gospel. And when he talks about preached by the gospel, he's not just talking about words although that's certainly a part of it. He's talking about the entirety of his life. His life pointed to Christ. And because of that, he was known for that. And he wants to pass that heritage on to Timothy so that Timothy would also embody a gospel. A number of years ago, the question was asked and became a famous slogan, even a bracelet, what would Jesus do? Do you remember that? WWJD. I want to take that idea and I want to switch it around and ask you the question in a different way. Instead of what would Jesus do in the situation, I want to ask you, what would you do if you were Jesus? Would you preach the gospel? Not just with words, but would your entire life point to that? So that you become known as a person who is gospel-centered, Because Christ is preeminent and predominant in your life. As we look at verse 9, though, Paul is also a realist. He doesn't just remember the good things. He remembers the hardship that he also had. Look at verse 9, what he says. For which I am suffering. And again, bound with chains, because he's in prison And he's charged as a criminal because he's going to face a death sentence. But he says, but the word of God is not bound. Some of us had a very difficult 2019. Maybe for some of you, the most difficult that you could remember in recent years. Paul does not pull back from hardship. Rather, he sees hardship as the crucible that helps shape and form our personhood, our character. So he never forgets the heritage of how God used even suffering, how he is unjustly bound with chains as he is charged as a criminal. But in light of the darkness that he experienced, Notice now the ending of verse 9, how the light emerges. He says, even though he is physically bound, look what it says, but the word of God is not bound. Amen? You see, the message of Christ in the gospel cannot be stopped, it cannot be hindered, it cannot be detained. Many have tried, all have failed. And it's interesting because now the message goes out not just in written word, but it goes out in persons. You and me are gospel bearers. We share and we show the good news of Jesus. Even in the hardest times, even when we suffer, even through our pain, God uses that. And he redeems it for the good news of the gospel. Think of it this way. The good news becomes greater when you're able to contrast it with the hardship you've gone through, right? Contrast brings clarity. And so if there's badness or something terrible that's happened and the good news confronts that and you see how that prevails, it becomes greater news because you're able to contrast it with the bad news. And so I want to suggest to you this morning, for for some of you, as hard as 2019 has been, if you hold on to Christ, and if you remember that Christ is the one who saved you, and he gives us new life, then you will prevail also with the goodness and the shaping of the gospel. I want us to take a moment now to remember for our church what 2019 was about. You may recall the theme for 2019 was this. It's deeper. That was our theme for 2019. And in so doing, the passage that we utilized to explain what it meant to go deeper came from Philippians 1, 9 through 10. Let me read it to you now. This is what it says. Philippians 1, 9 through 10. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The key phrase is that we would abound more and more and that more was not just quantitative but it was qualitative to go deeper. In 2015, uh, 2019, we had five initiatives. Let me remind you of what these were. Number one, deeper relationships based on love and truth. Number two, deeper knowledge of God and His Word. Number three, deeper commitment to the church. Number four, deeper commitment to grow in holiness and service. Number five, deeper commitment to evangelism and world missions. Now look at all of these things. As I was again reflecting upon 2019, I thought, did we hit these marks or not? Let me say absolutely we did. How do we do this? Deeper relationships based on love and truth. I think we did that through our bridge groups, which we had another successful stint this fall and just finished recently. A deeper knowledge of God and his word. How do we do that? We had a number of classes, including our Christian ethics class and our theology class. Deeper commitment to the church this one, I think, was a grand slam. It was our church membership, where we had 68 people commit totally to be church members officially of the church. Deeper commitment to grow in holiness and service, again, committees and also church membership, and deeper commitment to evangelism and world missions, Operation Christmas Child and our Thailand missions trip, our first overseas trip. And I'm thankful. Because as I look at all of the areas that we were able to go deeper in, God came through. He was faithful to us. But as we ref- look back and remember these things, we can't just sit there and dwell in the past. We need to reflect on that and move toward the future, which is our second point. Look what Paul says in verses 10 through 13. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And then he gives what's called a hymn. If you look in your Bible, verses 11 through 13, our it off in a special way, this is called a hymn of the New Testament. And this is what's called one of the five trustworthy statements of the pastoral epistles, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus. Here's what the hymn says. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. My favorite line is verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. As you look at these truths and as you reflect upon this, what was Paul trying to encourage? The first thing he talks about is endurance. That you need to hang in there. He says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect believers. <clears throat> and he says so with the purpose clause at the end of verse 10, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Staying in the game, playing long ball, hanging in there and enduring is key for not only any individual, but also for any organization. The groups that can stay not only current and relevant, but also enduring can make good credibility. And most business leaders would say that's the most important aspect of leadership is credibility. I think the Lord has been helping us to build that. But it's not our credibility. You understand that, right? Verse 11 is what we want to focus on. It's the hymn about him. Look what it says. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. He died but rose again. We've died of our old self. We've risen again to the new self. If we endure, there it is again, the perseverance part, we will also reign with him. And we've talked about this before, that usually what Paul talks about is this idea of suffering first and then glory second. It's always the order. You cannot invert those two things. Verse 12 is pointing to that same thing, that endurance is key. In order to reach glory, the endurance is the suffering, the reigning is the glory. There's a cautionary statement at the end of verse 12, though, if we deny him, he will also deny us. But it's verse 13 again that I'd like to focus on. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I'd like to say it this way, faithfulness is God's middle name. He is faithful, even when we are faithless. So as we reflect on this, the thing that comes to mind to me is this, God's goodness and provision. Look at this. And I'd like to take a moment now to reflect on God's goodness and provision again through five different ways where God has shown his goodness and provision to us in 2019. I was looking at my records and I noticed, number one, that we moved into this facility December 30th, 2019, 2018. One year ago, we moved in. New chairs, new building, new bathrooms. Everything new. New facilities. When guests visit us or when friends have come and seen our church, their first exclamation statement is, Wow! So much parking. (laughs) And then as they walk around, they see all of this. You understand that God is the architect of of the church. Yes, they were individuals that God used, but ultimately it's God who was the architect. And God has entrusted to us a tremendous facility. So as we reflect on this, the question now is, how are we doing as stewards of this? What is our stewardship like? Are we utilizing these facilities to the best possible ability for the glory of God? My answer would be, not quite yet. Yet. And next week, as I unveil our 2020 plan, we're going to be given some pretty mind-blowing things, I think, of how we can move forward as a church, specifically utilizing this facility in such a way that would we'll be able to bring glory to God. I was thinking specifically about the parking lot, and I thought about it on Halloween Day. Because across the street from where we live there's a small church and they every year do a pretty fun trunk and treat and they line up their 10 cars and we have a good time, I have a good time, eating their candy. What if we did a trunk and treat in our parking lot? We've got to utilize our facilities well so that we would be better stewards of this. Here's a second area where we can reflect on God's goodness and provision, and it's through our new members. Membership was a brand new thing that we introduced in 2019, and now, as I mentioned to you, we now have 68 official members, and more to come in the months ahead. We went through a three-week class in which the commitments were laid out, our goals were laid out. All of our philosophy and theology and doctrine was laid out so that people would know what to commit to. I was excited each time to see people take this class because I saw how people were getting serious about their commitment to be able to be faithful to the Lord. That's God's goodness, that we have 68 new official members. And again, as our ministry continues to grow numerically, and it has been growing exponentially, we will need solid people who will be committed to help do the work of the ministry. Because the work of the ministry is not left to just myself and Pastor Jacob. It is the ministry of all of us. That's why God has given us spiritual gifts. And we utilize that to build up one another. In the membership class. We found our spiritual gifts. In the membership interview, we asked the question, how will you utilize those gifts? And many of you answered that very profoundly and sincerely. And I was quite moved. Because again, I saw God's goodness. God's goodness through you as new members. As you committed to the church and to God. Number three, here's another thing to reflect on, and that's new opportunities. What do I mean by that? A few weeks ago, Reverend Kang called me, and we had an interesting and surprising conversation, something that I had wanted to do, but it was accelerated at the moment. He said, Pastor Ben, I want the bridge to have their own budget in 2021. I'm like, whoa. And I smiled and I said, okay. And he said, but starting in 2020, I want you to take care of your own missions budget. I want you to have complete financial control of just missions. Again, I smiled. I said, okay. And I thought, what potential we have. If you remember last year, when we were raising funds for the Thailand mission trip, our goal was $6,000, of which we barely made it by raising $10,000. Blew my mind. We were not as big back then, but God showed up through you. And now the opportunity that we have to raise money for missions, local and global, Is going to be exciting. Next week I will share with you some interesting things that we could do that will impact not only the world, but our community in a significant way. And it has to do with finances. And this is a gift from the Lord that now that we have been given this opportunity and that this money has been released to us, we can do as much as you give. Think about that. As much as you give, we can do it. And so I will lay out next week something that probably some of you have seen in the news that is an opportunity that we as a church can have. Something I've been pondering with our leadership and thinking, can we do this? Now with this allowance, the answer is yes. More attention for you to build up to come next week to hear about this. Here we go, number four. But there's also new challenges. Look around you, we've grown numerically quite significantly. Last Sunday we had our second highest attendance of 185. We were too short of breaking the record. But that also brings new challenges for us. Some have suggested a second service. The other looming question for me is, what about our education department? How can we support teachers better in the future generations? Why that's important for me is because my kids are in the education department, and I want the best of the best to be there. We tried allowing an opportunity where our ministry didn't conflict with education so that teachers could come, and then some of our EM members could be freed up to also serve, that didn't work. So we'll have to go back to the drawing board and try something new. I have a couple of ideas, and so we have to pray through this and see what the Lord has for us. I do not have the answers to these new challenges. But again, think of it this way. Progress requires growth and change. Not all change is progress. But if we can do this under the Lord's guidance, prayerfully, And carefully, then we can really progress and meet some of the new challenges that are ahead. Which leads to our fifth reflection, and that is this, new depth. New depth. As I've gotten to know our own congregation, I know that many of you have come from challenged situations, from a lot of hurt and a lot of hardship. Some of this stuff, myself, I'm not able to meet those needs. It's beyond what I'm able to do or what I've been trained for. That's why we are looking to partner potentially with counselors who will help us in the area of mental health, who will help us with baggage that we deal with, who will help us in areas even of financial management. These are things that all of us need encouragement and help towards. I think I can connect us to the resources. But we need to now be honest with ourselves. Know where we're at so that we know where we can be. A couple months ago we had Koryashita come and talk on a very sensitive issue for some of us. Certainly struck a nerve with many of us. We're going to return to that. Not to inflict pain or hurt, but to provide healing of a topic that for some of us has not been touched or even noticed for years. But God can heal us. I am confident of that. And God can provide the resources so that we can go into new debt and new height as well. This leads to my last point, and it's basically a point for us to think about as a church. We remember Jesus Christ. We reflect on the good and the bad. And now we respond. How do we respond? Let me say this. I think we need to respond with some honest and direct questions. Some of these questions are not fun questions. In other words, these are not happy questions. But they're honest questions that get to the heart of the matter. At times, I do feel I need to be direct. And so all of these questions that I'm going to pose to you now are questions that I've asked myself first. And to be honest with you, I did not positively answer all these questions. So let me pose these questions to you. Here's the first one. Number one, have I grown more spiritually now than a year now, a year later? In other words, now versus a year ago. Have I grown more spiritually now, a year later? And based on however you measure that, it could be devotion to the word of God, it could be your prayer life, it could be the joy and the sense of security of being in relationship with God, it could be church attendance, however the metric is for you, would you say there's been growth, improvement, progress? This one, next question was a difficult one for myself. Have I met my personal goals in the areas of physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually? I'm not just saying that we should have New Year's resolutions, I'm saying we should have goals that we move towards. You see, if we have no target, we will always miss. So we need to aim carefully and have some of these things. As I look at that list of physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, i probably reached only half of them. How about you? Number three, am I in a better place today than one year ago from today? Some of you resoundingly say, no, I'm not. Hold on to question five. We'll get to that in just a second. Number four, do I have any regrets in my life from the last year? I think if we're honest, we can always say there's going to be some regrets that we have. I should have done this, I didn't do it. Oh, I wish that I had taken this opportunity, I didn't do it. Or I made a mistake, gosh, that was terrible. The last question though is the one that I want you to really focus on and I leave you with, and that's this. Isn't it wonderful? how Christ always gives us a new reset. The newness is every morning, according to Lamentations 3.23. And the newness is based on the faithfulness of God. And so the reset comes in that no matter whatever regret you have, no matter how you've failed, even if it was an epic fail, No matter that you'd say, I am not in a better place, I'm actually in a worse place today than I was a year ago, there is hope. And the hope is that Christ not only forgives, but he will always embrace you. He will never let you go. And he will always provide a newness that comes through the washing and cleansing of the Holy Spirit through the invitation to come and be in relationship with him, and because of the power and magnitude and depth of the gospel, the good news, you can have hope. Because there will be a new reset. Even though this was a terrible, horrific year for you. I don't know about you, but I'm comforted by that. I hope you are too. And it's interesting that the Holy Spirit's nickname himself is Comforter. And the Holy Spirit resides in your heart to help you, to minister to you, and to comfort you. I want to show you two verses that maybe you may not have known before. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I want to show you two verses that have ministered to me quite often. The first one is Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings. So here's the point. Not only does he help us, but the Spirit prays for us. Did you know that? Now, that should be encouraging, but he's not the only one. Look at Romans 8.34. In Romans 8.34, now, there's a second person who prays for us. In Romans 8.34, it says, Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died? More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So the Holy Spirit and the person of Christ are praying for you, for me, right now and all the time. You might ask, what are they praying for? I think they're praying for renewal. I think they're praying for our faithfulness And they're praying for us to follow God with all our lives. I hope you'll join them in praying for yourself. And as we look to 2020, that this will be a breakthrough year for some of you in every way. For the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray together.